Perfect. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah. You guys, it sounds like you got a lot of sleep last night. Perfect. So you'll be ready to listen. I love it. Okay, so tonight, or this morning, goodness gracious, I can't get it right. This morning, you're getting the, the, the sequel, right? The, this, we talked about the birth uh, of unfeigned faith yesterday, okay? And so this morning, we're going to continue our look at unfeigned faith, and we're going to see how it is realized in our lives. Okay, how do we, how is, how is this faith realized? We understand how to become a, a believer in Jesus Christ. We understand how to become Christians. We call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust in the death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. Now, how, how does this become who I am, right? Because a Christian is not, is not some, it's not just a belief system. Christ, a, a Christian is who you become, like Christ, okay? So how is this realized? What we're going to look at today is how it's developed and demonstrated. How this unfeigned faith is developed and demonstrated. So your TLDR for the day this morning is the enduring Christian not only knows Christ, but has a deep relationship with Him. You not only know Christ, but you have a deep relationship with Him. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we come before You. God, we we just need You to speak. Lord, uh, as Mike was saying, Lord, I pray that you'd have a word for every single one of us this morning. God, we, none of us have arrived. Lord, we, we need to hear your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would just, man, you would, you would speak directly to us through your book. God, and that, uh, man, we know that your word tells us faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Lord, I pray that, that I would share your word and not my opinions this morning. And God, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Okay, so first we're going to look at how unfeigned faith is developed. Right? How does one go about developing a real faith? That's a logical question, and I think it's a question every one of us should ask. How do I develop my faith? Not just, not just how do I know things, but how do I actually have a genuine, authentic Walk with the Lord. Man, that's something I'm passionate about is authenticity. You guys like people that are fake? Anybody in here like fake people? No? Right? Like, but we all, man, we, we can appreciate somebody that's authentic, right? I'll never forget whenever I was in school, the teacher that was there to collect a paycheck and didn't care about me, man, I, wouldn't, I didn't really care to, to participate in that class. But the teacher that genuinely cared about me and loved me, she had, she had a genuine desire to, to teach me. Man, I was a lot more apt to, to give some effort in those classes. And so authenticity is very important. So if we're going to claim to be a Christian, man, we've got to be authentic. So how do we develop that? And, and it is honestly so simple that anyone can do it. Right? You can do it. Okay? Right? The, 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 we're, today we're going to give you the unbelievable results with these three simple te- tips for massive faith. If you want massive faith, man, just follow these tips. It's so simple that anyone can do it. Okay, so the first thing we got to do is we got to know Christ. You got to know Christ. Salvation is so much more than getting to heaven. Man, if that was the goal of your salvation... Why are you here today? If you know Christ, why are we still here today? You ever thought about that? If the point of your salvation was for you to get to heaven, well, why are we here? Because the reality is it's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to make a new friend, it starts by getting to know them. It's impossible to develop a meaningful relationship with somebody without first putting forth effort into knowing them. Right? For instance, uh, think about your closest friends. Think about your best friend. Did you get to know them through avoiding them? Right? Uh, if you did, teach me. I would love to learn that. I would love to learn how to make friends by not by avoiding people. Um, are they people that you know nothing about? Like, do you know nothing about your friends? 
Or are they people that you have spent the most time with? The people that you know the most about? I, I would petition that it's your friends are the ones that you hang with. You know, you know them inside and out. You've spent the most time with your friends. And a relationship with Jesus is no different. A relationship with the Lord is no different. If you want to truly experience what God has for you in this life, it starts with a deep relationship with Christ. After salvation, it is your personal responsibility to continue and grow in your relationship with the Lord. Okay, so the way that God uses this in my life for me to understand this is with with my relationship with my life, with my wife. Okay, so imagine what would happen if after marrying my wife, I decided that um, I only wanted to spend time with her on occasion. Man, we get we get married, and I'm saying, "All right, babe, um, I can give you Sundays if I'm not busy. Okay, I can give you Sundays, uh, and, and and if you're lucky, I may even give you a day in the middle of the week. Uh, but other than that, man, I just don't have time for you. You think you think my marriage would be thriving? I mean, look, I'm married, and I, I can tell you firsthand, it would it would fall apart. Man, if I'm not talking to my wife every day, if I'm not spending time with her every day, my marriage would be it'd be in, in the pits. This is obviously not how anyone has a meaningful relationship with anyone. It, it, it's it's so much more than a, a bi regular meeting and coming together uh, like a relationship takes personal responsibility it takes accountability you have you need to invest in this you need to take personal responsibility in it so meaningful relationships require time and effort listen they don't happen by accident you can't accidentally develop a deep relationship with somebody it can start that way man you can you can show up at camp and accidentally Get hit with the, man. The Lord can show up in your heart and in your life on accident, but you're never gonna. You can't grow in that by accident. Does that make sense? Man, I, I've made some of the best friends I've ever made in my life. I know it wasn't on purpose. Man, we, we we just I accidentally bumped into them and, and we became friends. But you know how you know how I I stay connected with them. It, it's, it was an accident. Man, we 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 text. We we, we get together. We we go hang out together. Relationship is so important to God that He puts it this way in in, in John seventeen three. He equate Jesus equates eternal life with an intimate relationship with the Lord. So this morning, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter seventeen, or if you're feeling lazy, just look up at the screen. Um, I did the work for you so that you could see it. John seventeen one. And this passage is this is this is one of my favorite passages. Uh, whenever I was a new youth leader, um, I was praying about a vision for my students. Lord, what what would you have for me? What? Why am I doing this? And this is what God gave me. Okay, so check this out. John seventeen one. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. So I'm just trying to give you some context here. Jesus is praying to, to his Father. He's getting ready to be crucified here in just a little bit. And so he's, he's spending some quality time with his Father. And look at what Jesus has to say in this prayer. Verse 2, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And I love the way Jesus is praying. Um, he's like praying in third person. He's like praying about himself, but I don't know. I like the way he words it. And so what, what we can establish from this verse is that Jesus has the power to give eternal life. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And then in verse 3, he's going to define what this eternal life is. Right? He, he says, and this is... Okay? So that's a definition. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So what Jesus is saying is eternal life is knowing God. It's knowing Jesus Christ. Having a deep personal relationship. This is not a head knowledge, but a deep and meaningful knowing. 
the way that a husband knows a wife. Right? So that word know, the first time you see that in the New Testament, it, it, it is referring to Joseph knowing not his wife. This is a deep, intimate knowing. So the thing about a, a husband and a wife is we know, I know everything about my wife. She knows everything about me. Absolutely everything. That you get, most people will never know the things that we know about each other because it's so it's such a deep relationship. We talk about everything, um, and, and it's it's a one of a kind type of relationship. And that's what that's what the Lord is calling us to. He says this is life everlasting, a deep, intimate, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so how many of you in here know Patrick Mahomes? Know of who Patrick Mahomes is? Anybody? Okay. Okay, okay. I'm going to go ahead and brag brag for just a minute. Homie went to my high school, so uh, you're welcome, right? He's a he's a Texas boy, and uh, and so, man, Patrick Mahomes. He's we're we're kind of we're kind of big fans uh, in my house of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, went to the same high school, and and so I'm famous by way of Patrick. Okay, so but we know who Patrick Mahomes is, right? He's he's won two MVPs. He's won two Super Bowl rings. He's won two Super Bowl MVPs. He has two kids. He has two dogs. He has a wife. Man, I could tell you a lot about Patrick Mahomes. Okay? I could tell you a lot about Patrick. What's up? He loves, he loves ketchup, man. That's gross. Huh? His favorite food is what a burger. Let's go. Man. What a, if you've never ate at Whataburger, you need to get right with Jesus. You need to go down south, and you need to have the best fast food burger you'll ever eat. Whataburger. You, you know you're in the right place when, we, when you hear Whataburger pronounced Waterburger. I'm telling you. That's what I thought it was for the first 20 years of my life. But it's actually Whataburger. But we know a lot. I could tell you a lot about Patrick, right? But do I really know him? Look, we went, he went to my high school. But I don't know, I don't know, that's all I know. I, I, I can tell you his stats. Of course, like, of course not knowing, knowing of someone is not knowing them personally. You understand? Like, I can, I can list off his stats, I can tell you all about him, but that doesn't mean that I actually know him. If I walked up to Patrick at the steakhouse and just started chatting with him, man, he'd, I'd probably get arrested. Right? Like, like, I don't know him. I know of him. And many of us, we know a lot about Jesus. We can lift, list off his stats, man. He lived 33 years. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose from the dead three days later. Man, we, we, know, we know a lot about him. Did you know that the devils believe and tremble? They know a lot about him too. But do you really know him? Man, knowing about Jesus is, is not knowing Jesus. You understand that? Listing off the facts. That's not knowing Him. My pastor always says it this way. He says, a lot of people miss salvation by 18 inches. The distance from your head to your heart, man. We know a lot about Him. But do you really know Him? Because what did Jesus say here? And this is... It's not up for debate. This is, a, this is a strict definition. This is life everlasting. Right? This is what God desires from all of us, that we would live life. And life is found in a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, so, so how do we grow in Christ? How do we grow in Christ? Because we've got to know Him, right? You, you don't need to know of Him. You need to know Him. Well, how do we get to know Him? We've got to grow in Him. This leads us to the logical question, how do we grow in our relationship with the Lord? And it, it's, it's pretty simple, man. God gave us the physical to parallel the spiritual. The same way that you grow in any relationship, right? So, so here are three key ingredients to meaningful relationships. Number one, you have two ears, so you got to listen. you got to learn to listen. you got, you got to listen to somebody. And then you got to talk to them. 
And then the last, the, the third key ingredient is you got to spend time with them. Man, it's it's a you got to have conversations and you got to spend time with somebody. It's pretty simple. Listen, talk, quality time. Imagine trying to develop a relationship with somebody without actually talking to them. Man, uh, I, I would love if that were the case. I am an introvert of introverts, man. If I didn't have to talk, if I could just sit in my room at, or in my living room at home with a cup of coffee and a book or, or a good record on, man, that's like, that's my, that's my place, man. I don't have to talk to anybody. But that's not how things work, man. And so God, God, uh, has had to do a work in my heart to teach me, hey man, you, that's neither here nor there, but, uh, the Lord deals with me on that. I've, I've got to, being a people person is, uh, the Lord's a people person, so man, I need to learn to, to love people. Um, man, what would my marriage be like if I never talked to my wife? What would, what would my friend, would I have friends if I didn't talk to them? If they just said something to me and I just look at them? What would it be like if I never listened to people? If my best friend's trying to talk to me and all I want to do is just talk, uh, talk over them or not listen? Man, that's, you're going to have a hard time with relationships if you're not willing to talk with people or listen to them. In the same way, um, like the same is true with the relationship with the Lord. If you never get into the Word of God, you're never going to hear from God. That's why we always talk about having a personal quiet time. That's why, that's why your, your, your pastors and your leaders are always talking about, man, we got to get in the book. we got to hear from God. This is, what, this is what God has given us so that we can hear from Him. God loved us so much that He gave us the Word of God. Man, and, and I don't have to question, I don't have to wonder... What did God say? Because it's right here. We have it in our hands. There's so much assurance in that, knowing that God God has given us His Word so that we can know what He has for us. I don't have to I don't have to question or wonder what my life's all about. God's given me the book, and all I have to do to hear from the Lord is open it up and read it. Let me tell you, my my set, my nine year old boy can hear from the Lord. It's so simple. Anyone can do it, man. I, I see my boy opening up his Bible, reading from time to time, and you know what's happening? God's speaking to him. He may not have a, he may not have a, a, a an, an idea of exactly what God's calling him to yet, but man, God's speaking to him through His Word, and God wants to speak to you through His Word. And if you're not in the book, you're not hearing from God. Okay, it, it's one thing to hear from your pastors and your leaders. Uh, but like, man, there's nothing like having a, a first per, like a, a, what do you call that? A, um, what's the source? A primary source. Is that what that would be? Like, set, this is a secondary source. You're hearing from God through me. Well, it's through the word, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, uh, the message, right? But God, God, He loves you so much that He wants to go, He wants you to go straight to Him as a primary source. If you never get into the Word of God, you're never going to hear from God. If you never spend time in prayer, then you're trusting in yourself over the Lord, man. If you're never spending time with the Lord, then you're not, you're not communicating with God. God wants to hear from you. He loves you so much that He wants a two-way relationship. He wants a joint participation fellowship with you. And if you don't spend time sitting at the Master's feet, then you're, then you're never going to know the Master. It requires you to hear from the Lord. It requires you to speak to the Lord. And it requires a time investment. These are the three key ingredients to develop unfeigned faith in your life. Allow God to speak to you in, the, in His Word. You speak to God through prayer. And you spend meaningful time with Him daily. There's no magic formula but if but if you if you'll daily meet with God in his word sharing your heart with him in prayer then you too uh, will be described as one that has unfeigned faith it's not a magic formula but let me tell you if you are faithful to spend time with the Lord daily he'll he'll begin to do a work in your heart and in your life check out Hebrews 4:12
Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So as you get into the Word of God, man, the Word of God will begin to get into you. He'll cut you open. He will show, He'll reveal things to you about yourself that you didn't even know. He'll reveal areas of, of where, where you need to grow. And He'll reveal sin in your life. And, and the only way that He can do that is through the Word of God, man. It's quick and it's powerful. It's alive. And it's sharp. And God uses it to refine you. Romans 12.2 says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Man, we live in a day and age where, man, we, our minds are completely consumed with things, with worldly things. How many of you guys have, uh, I don't even know if I have one on me. I don't have it with me. How many of you guys have a cell phone? Yeah. Yeah, those things are like magnets for your eyes, aren't they? There's something about it, man. It's just compelling to look at. You know, you you, you open up you open up your your you know TikTok or or whatever app you're on, and it's just compelling to just sit there. Right. I, I watched this. I wa- I heard this study. There's a study that said that whenever you look at screens, uh, it was actually a television study a study on television. But I would assume it probably applies to any type of device screen. It said that whenever you're um, looking, watching TV, that your brain goes into what's called the alpha wave state. Anybody in here know what that is? I want to make sure that I'm not lying when I say this. But for, for, from, from what I understand, this alpha wave, whenever your brain goes into the alpha wave state, it basically just goes into like, you're just like not a whole lot going on there. You're just consuming, right? You're not you're not analytically thinking about things. So when you're reading when you're reading something, your brain is is thinking. Your brain is is firing on all cylinders. But when you're watching something, you're just kind of like a zombie. You're just consuming, right? And so what they what they did uh, whenever the television started first started out, it became a major prop. Uh, just I just had a brain for it. What do you call that? Uh, when the what do you call it whenever you're um, they're trying to get people to like buy into what's going on in the war? Propa- propaganda. My goodness, Lord help us. Propaganda, right? So, so a major propaganda machine. The, the TV was a major propaganda machine because what it did was it put people in this like, like my kids, man. When they're watching TV, it's like that. They're not thinking about anything, right? And so whatever they're consuming, man, it's just coming in and they're not filtering it. It just it, And it's affecting the way that they think and it's affecting everything about them. And, and, and I'm telling you guys, that's what's happening whenever we're, we're just consumed with our phones. But this is what God tells us to do. And be not conformed to this world, right? So, so as, as we're allowing th- this worldly content to just inundate us, man, it's just, it's just changing our opinions and our thoughts and the way that we think. But God says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to have your mind renewed daily. Otherwise, that stuff will, can, it will literally devour you. And the only way that we can have our minds renewed and conformed to the image of the Lord is through the Word of God. And this is how you grow your faith day by day, right? I prayed this earlier. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing... And hearing by the Word of God. You want to grow in your faith? you got to get in the book. It's really simple. So simple that you can do it. If you've got two eyes and you know how to read, man, you can, you can meet with the Lord. And if you don't know how to read, right, my dad's dyslexic. He's not, he's not the best reader. Man, he's got audio Bibles. So you don't really have an excuse. You can hear from the Lord. The more time you spend with the Father, man, what's cool about it is the more that you become like Him. We cannot help but take on the nature of our Father. Man, the older I get, the more obvious it is that I'm becoming my dad, man. 
As much as I hate to admit it, I am just a chip off the old block, man. You guys don't know my dad, but but if you did, man, I'm I'm, I'm just like him. I tell I tell my kids the same jokes that he told me as a kid, man. The same things, all the, all the things he used to say to me when he'd get on to me, man. I say to my kids, I'm turning into my dad. I've turned into a bona fide gardener for crying out loud, man. What the heck? My dad my dad was a gardener, and I thought it was the most boring. Like what? Why waste your time, Dad? And man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gardener now. Man, I call my dad up and we talk about gardens. That's ridiculous, man. If you if you would have told me when I was 16 that I would be that I would be just like my dad, I would have told you you're lying. I, I wanted to be the furthest thing. I mean, my dad's awesome, but man, he's a he's a good old boy from East Texas, man. And I didn't want to be a good old boy from East Texas. But I'm just a chip off the old block. I spent too much time with the old man. And we can't help but take on the nature of our father. You understand that? You have no choice. The more time you spend with somebody, the more you become like them. Another example is, is in your friend group. Man, my friends growing up, we were almost identical. I told you I was a sad boy, right? I had the emo hair and I listened to the, you know, the, you guys would think it's, uh, demonic possession. Man, I listened to this, Heavy metal. I, I was just, I was a skater boy, you know. I thought Avril Lavigne was talking about me, you know. Man, every time I listen to that song, I'm like, there's hope for me, you know. But but all my friends, man, we were the same way. We 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 all dressed the same. We all listened to Cookie Monster music. Uh, man, we 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 all wore the band T-shirts and and uh, we all had the emo cut. Man, we even had we had inside jokes, man, that we. We thought we were the funniest people in the world, and everybody else thought we were idiots. They just they just weren't intelligent enough to understand our jokes, you know. But that's how it is, man. You 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 get you spend enough time with somebody, you, man. You just can't help it. You you become like each other. You have the same inside jokes, man. Uh, that's why everybody thinks you're weird. You just spent too much time together. And the same principle applies throughout Scripture. And in our own life, man, if we want to, be, if we want to become like God, like Christ, we want to grow in Christ. We got to spend time with them. Just take a look at Jesus' boys, man. Jesus' disciples—that's the boys. If you didn't pick up on that, right? They go from a ragtag bunch of social outcasts, man, to turning the world upside down. All they had to do was spend a little bit of time with Jesus. As they spent time with Christ, daily communing with them. Talking with them, listening to them, spending time with them, man, they changed the world. They 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 went from being screw ups to influencers. Check this out. I love this man. I love this verse. Now, this is Acts four thirteen. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Man, so Peter and John, they're, man, they're, they're just, they're preaching, they're making an impact here. And the people realize, man, these guys, they didn't, they didn't get, they didn't go to college, man. These are, man, that's a fisherman and man, these guys, they're ignorant and unlearned. But, but listen, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You understand? They were just like Jesus. They're like, man, we killed that guy. But, but they didn't kill the boys just yet. The boys were making an impact because they had been with Jesus. Their lives were transformed. They were changed individuals because they had spent time with Jesus. Something's different about these cats. And we're, we're literally sitting here today because of their unfeigned faith. Because they spent time with Jesus, man, we're sitting here today. I'm telling you what, if it weren't for those disciples spending time with Christ, being molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ, after Jesus died, man, it would have all died. Like, like it would have ended. But we're sitting here today because of them. And so, as we have seen over the last few sessions, the enduring Christian, it starts at salvation. And if you don't know Christ, because if you don't know Christ, you're never going to endure in Christ. 
And then after salvation, you must intentionally develop a deep relationship with Christ. And this is done through daily meeting with God in the Word and in prayer. And so that leads us to our our next point. We're going to look at how this faith is demonstrated. How is a real, genuine, non-hypocritical faith demonstrated? We saw how it began. We saw how it's developed through a personal relationship with the Lord. And now, how does it practically work itself out? How do we demonstrate our love for the Lord and what He's done in our life? So Ephesians 2, 8-10. through 10. We read these verses last night, but we stopped at 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we, we established last night that you are not saved by your works. We're saved by grace through faith. And it's a gift. D- does any, did you guys have to work for, for a gift? Have you ever had to work for a gift? Anybody? Man, it wasn't a gift then. <laughs> right? A gift is something that's given for no reason. And if I want to gift some, somebody something, I don't expect anything in return. And if I do, then it's not a gift. Man, it's just a bribe. Okay, but a gift, what happens with a gift is it's given freely for no reason. Okay? And that's what Jesus did. He gave us... He, Jesus was a gift from God for us. And, and so our salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. Because if I can save myself by... Okay, so think about it like this. So Christianity is like the only belief system or, or religion, if you will. I, I, I hesitate to call it that. But, but, most, but world religion teaches that like you have to climb the mountain to get to God. You've got to um, go through these classes and you have to um, meditate for this long. And, and you have to reach enlightenment before you can eventually peak the mountain to get to God. But do you know do you know what like biblical Christianity is? Man, it's that God descended the top of the mountain to the bottom and he picked you up out of the mud and he took you to the top. You did nothing. It was a gift, man. All you had to do is acknowledge that you needed a savior and he took you straight to the top. But guess what? That's not that's not the end of the story. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're not saved by our works, but God saved us unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Man, God God saved us not by our works, but unto works. Man, God has a God has a plan for you. That's what that's what that verse is telling you. God has a plan for you, and no one else can do it but you. You're the only you in this world. You understand that? We haven't quite at least clones haven't hit the mass market just yet, so you are the only you. No one's going to do your job. And God has called you to reach your in, your sphere of influence. You're the only person that has your schedule. And what that means is that you're the only person that's going to come, come in contact with each individual that is in your life. I can't. I don't even live in the same state as you guys. So there's no possible way for me to reach your friends. There's no possible way for me to reach your coworkers. There's no possible way for me to reach your neighbors. Only you can do that. And God has a plan to use you to reach them. You were saved unto good works. We weren't saved by our works, but we were definitely saved unto good works. Meaning our faith will have an opportunity to work itself out. An authentic faith is going to work itself out. Because you always live what you love, man. You always live what you love. Unfeigned faith by definition is non-hypocritical faith. And this would be a faith that leads to action because belief is simply the beginning. You live what you love. And if you love God and genuinely believe that Jesus is the only hope for the lost, then it will lead you to share that with the world. Alright, you guys, have you guys ever heard of the magician... Uh, the duo of magicians, Penn and Teller. Anybody heard of them before? 
couple of you. Okay, so there's a, uh, the guy Penn. I think Teller doesn't talk. That's kind of the, his shtick. I don't know if he can't talk or if he just doesn't talk. But but Penn, he's kind of the vocal one, and, and he's a devout atheist. And let me just read you a quote by by Penn, he, who's who's a devout atheist. This is what he had to say about Christianity. Okay. He said, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. So proselytize means evangelize, right? He doesn't respect people that don't share the Gospels, what he's saying. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting, uh, or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize and who, who say, just leave me alone, um, just leave me alone and, and, and keep your religious stuff to yourself, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Man, this is coming from an atheist. How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them that Jesus died on the cross for them? And that he was buried in a tomb. And that three days later he rose again so that they might have life. I'm sure you've heard it put this way. If you had the cure for cancer and you didn't tell the world, shame on you, man. But we have the cure to life. You understand that? Everyone on the planet is, has death presiding over them. And we have the cure. His name is Jesus. Man, it's convicting whenever an atheist has to put it that way for us. That preaches louder than most pastors, man. And here's what I mean. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, through the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will, we will be compelled to preach Jesus to the lost. Man, this, as we begin to develop this personal relationship with Jesus, as we're conformed to the image of the Lord... Man, we take on the nature of our Father. And what, is our, what, what do we know about our Father? What do we know about God? We read it last night in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. You understand that? God loves people. So much so that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so as we begin to take on the nature of our Father, we understand that He loves people. Man, you know what He's going to do in our lives? He's going to take an introvert and he's going to... Okay, let me just tell you a quick story. I told you... I, I, this is how God works, man. I, I've all... My whole life, I, I've just... I've been self-conscious. Man, I, I always felt like uh, I was never never good enough for people. I always felt like I was... Uh, people were going to laugh at me. And so the way that I dealt with that was I just didn't talk to people, man. I just tried to be cool by not talking. By just avoiding people, and what that what happened is it began to be a crutch in my life, to where I just got so scared of people that I wouldn't talk to them, and and it became a guard and a defense. And man, you know what? I, I ended up getting getting saved, and, and God brought this guy into my life, and we'll talk more about him tomorrow. And I ended up, man, ended up changing my life. This relationship, he began investing in me, and God began to work in my life. And before long, man, God put me in a position. So I used to, whenever I was younger, I used to be in a band. I used to play music, and I was the guitar player. And, and the, the cool thing about guitar is, like, man, I could, I could hide behind this, you know, like I, that's like a blanket for me. It, I don't know. There's something about it. But over time, it became apparent that, um, man, our, our vocalists. We had to let them go, and, and, and they wanted me to do vocals. And I promise there's a point to the story. I, it doesn't matter that I was in a band. Who cares? But the point of the story is God, what God did in my life to, to, to help teach me how to, how to become more like Him. So God put me in this position. To, well, I, like, I, I got put in this position to be the vocalist of, of, the, of our band. And the thing about the vocalist is, man, everyone wants to talk to the vocalist. I didn't want to talk to anybody, man. And what God did was He began to he began to nurture my heart and began to teach me how to talk to people, how to how to let my guard down, and how to be, how to begin to love people. 
I began to develop a heart for people, and He uses the circumstances of my life to mold and shape me. Man, He He was sharing stuff with me in the Word, but then in my daily life, He gave me an opportunity to begin to live it out. To begin, and you know, and to this day, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with talking to people. I'm still an introvert. But man, I'm telling you, uh, the more time I spend with the Lord, the, the bigger I have a heart for people. Man, what, what I'm trying to say is that the Lord can use you. He, he's going to take your character flaws and He's going to turn them. He's going to turn them into an advantage for His glory. Some of them, right? Some of them you can't. Some of them you just got to get rid of. But as we've already seen, the Word of God is alive and it's powerful, man. God uses His Spirit and the Word to mold and shape us into His image. And as this process of sanctification is taking place, we begin to love the things that He loves. And we know that the thing that He loves is people, man. And we begin to, to, to live out our faith by loving people. And so another example of how so I, God putting me in circumstances where I quit my band and, and the Lord had used that to, in my life to begin to develop, okay, I can talk to people. I can have conversations with people. I, I began to get out of my shell a little bit. And after I quit the band, I got a job at a bank. And the thing about being a teller at a bank is um, at least the one that I worked at is man I was the bank punching bag man I had this one time uh, this guy wanted a burger you know midnight or whatever and he had like 50 cents in his account and he bought uh, he bought a, uh, a a burger off the dollar menu dollar eight came out of his account he only had 30 cents in his account or whatever and man the next morning he came to me just hot as a pistol that he had a $30 overcharge fee. You know, man, I just work here. I, I'm just trying to pay my bills, man. I, like, I, I, don't, I don't keep track of your finances. I didn't run the debit card. I, I didn't do any of that stuff. But, man, he came to me just hot as a pistol, cussing me out, this, that, and the other. And, uh, Man, that that was it was almost a daily thing. People would just come mad that they can't keep their they, they 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 can't figure out how to keep their finances and it's my fault, man. And that just you know, the flesh in me, man. How dare how dare that guy talk to me that way? You know, I just man, no one talks to me that way. It's just a pride pride issues, man. I had this this so I began to read the book of first John, man. And I was I would, the Lord was dealing with me, man. You can't you gotta love people. Even even when they're unlovable, I came to die for them too. And uh, and so this lady walked in, and God had been working on my heart out of First John, First John three six sixteen. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Man, we got we got to just love people. And this woman walks in. She's just mean. I don't even know what she was mad about. And uh, man, God had been working on my heart, and and I'm just I'm just this whole time, this whole interaction, I'm praying that God would just allow me to love this woman, just be kind to her, and and, and reflect the love of Christ to her. And when she walked out, she came back about ten minutes later, and she said, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. My son's in the hospital, and things weren't looking good. Her finances were falling apart. Her whole life was just falling apart, man." And she just, man, she just wanted, I mean, it, this was not, I'm not, this is, it sounds like I'm bragging on myself. I'm, man, I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm just trying to show you the realities of what God does to work in our lives, man. Because because I began to see what God was showing me in the Word and pray that God would do that in my life. Man, it's, it, it was able to minister to this woman. And I was able to, to, to lay the gospel out with her, man. And I'm telling you. The Word of God is quick and it's powerful and God will use it to mold and shape you into His image and to give you a heart like His because the flesh does not want that. But but you know what? You've been born of the Spirit if you know the Lord and the Spirit of God will begin to work in you to give you a heart for people. And the way we practically live out 
the love of God to the world is through the Great Commission. So, so loving people is not just being kind to them, right? It's not just, you know, digging wells for them and, and uh, giving them handouts. And actually demonstrating the love of God is found in the Great Commission. We do what Jesus did, man. We just read that here in, in John uh, 17. He laid down his life for the brethren, so we ought to do the same. And this is what he tells us to do in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Man, I'm sure you guys are very familiar with this. Don't let your, familiar, don't let your familiarity with it um, distract you. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus says, I've got the power, and he's going to tell us what to do with it. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so unfeigned faith leads us not only to having a deep relationship with God, but also gives us a, a burning passion to reach the lost and make disciples, man. To live out the calling that God has, has placed on our lives. So, let me just put it this way. Okay, John chapter 15 lays this out exactly, uh, just perfectly for us. The entire idea I'm trying to convey is perfectly summed up in Jesus' own words here in John 15. Because Jesus uses he uses an analogy to paint a picture of what unfeigned faith looks like, of what it looks should look like in our lives. John fifteen one says, "I am the true vine." So this is anybody got a red letter Bible? Is it in red letter? Yeah, Jesus is talking here. So that's if you have a red letter Bible, that means that Jesus is talking. I don't have a red letter up here, but uh, I just wanted you to know this is Jesus talking. And if Jesus is talking, we should listen. I am the true vine. Sorry, my jokes are not funny. Um, I try to make them funny, and they're just not. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Right? It starts with the Father. Except He gives us access to the vine. We're helpless and hopeless. The Father gave us access to the vine, man. But it is not God's desire that we would simply be a branch on the vine, but that we would be a fruitful believer, thriving on the vine. Okay, so this, this, uh, what we're talking about here, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So what's the point? Of a, you know, if you have an apple tree and the branch isn't producing fruit, what's the point of that branch? Like I said, I've turned into quite the gardener and, uh, I've got some fruit trees and, and, and a principle of trees is if it's not bearing fruit, it's wasting energy. There's no point to it. Take it off. Because you want to channel all of the energy into bearing fruit, producing fruit. Okay? And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. So the, the, the branches that are, are fruiting, man, you need to prune it. You need to purge it. So that purging is a cleansing. It's a pruning. You need to prune it. You need to basically, the, the object here is I want to take off all of the areas on, that, on, uh, on the end there that aren't producing fruit. Man, I want to take those off so that I can channel even more energy into the fruit. Because, man, we love a nice juicy peach, man. In this instance, probably a grape. He's going to purge it. He's going to prune it. So God wants you to be fruitful. And in order to do that, He's going to prune you. Verse 3, He tells us how He's going to prune us, how He's going to clean us, how He's going to purge us. Now you are clean. You are purged through the Word which I have spoken unto you. And you want God to make you fruitful? You want to see fruit in your life? Man, you got to get purged. you got to get clean through the Word of God. This pruning is done through the Word of God only. As we daily get in the Word, the Word gets into us, purging and pruning us, making us clean, changing us into fruitful individuals. And verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Right? You take a branch off a tree, 
It's just firewood, man. It can't produce anything. Except that abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. We gotta be plugged into our life source. It's essential every day. I've gotta get energy. I've gotta get in the, the nutrition that I need to be fruitful from the book, man, from the Lord, from the, from a personal relationship with Jesus. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. The vine is the life source of the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. A branch without a tree is useless. We must be plugged into our life source if we're going to be fruitful in making disciples of the world. If we're going to demonstrate our faith to the world, it, man, it begins at salvation. It's developed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's developed by daily getting alone with the Lord and getting in the book. Man, and then praying the book back to the Lord. Spending time sharing our, our hearts with God. And then it's daily fleshed out by the way that we interact with the lost. By making disciples of all nations, man. Before we can ever be in a position to endure at all times, in all things, we must have a deep, personal, and fruitful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, uh, and I love the simplicity that's found in you. Lord, it's so simple that any of us can do it, man. We can all have a deep relationship with you. All we have to do is yield ourselves. All we have to do is put, is put in, man, a little bit of time and effort into a relationship with you. Man, you're not going to make us love you. You're not going to make us grow in you. But man, you're calling all of us to that. You're calling all of us to a life of passion and purpose. You're calling all of us to live a life that means something. Man, and the only way we can live a life that means something is if we have a real, genuine faith. God, and so, Lord, I pray for these students. I pray that they would, man, that you would begin to stir in their hearts, that they would have a genuine desire to know you not just about you, not just the stats, Lord, but that they would have a desire to, to just know you on a personal level, God, so much so that it would move them, man, to just make an impact in their community. And Lord, we love you. God, I pray that you would bless the rest of our day, help us to have a blast. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hey, with heads bowed and eyes closed. We just got a gold mine of information from last night's sermon to this morning's. We've been given some wisdom here. And so I know it's a